1: Hello, and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and I promise this will be a really amazing show. I'll introduce my guests shortly, and this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific, as always. But before we go ahead with that, I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. So when life throws you a curveball, how do you respond to it? It's very natural to think that a bad thing just happened. But what if you considered the possibility that this bad thing is exactly what you were asking the universe for? Let me explain what I'm talking about. A friend of mine shared this analogy with me recently, and I think it's brilliant and accurate. Asking the universe for something is very much like ordering from Amazon. The minute you place the order, it's on its way. But when the delivery driver knocks on your door, you suddenly have second thoughts. You pretend to not be home. You tell the driver to go away, not realizing that you are being given exactly what you wanted. You want to arrive home from work safely and have a flat tire, but fail to realize that the flat tire actually saved you from being exposed to a drunk driver in the wrong lane, which could have hit you head on, or starting a business and wanting to ramp it up only to find that you lost your job before you thought you were ready. These are just two examples, but be thankful for whatever happens. Life happens for us and not to us, and the extent to which you really believe that will be reflected in the amount of peace you have in your life. With all this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. My very special guest this week is Jason Cisneros. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Jason Cisneros is a battle-tested CEO who has taken the science of performance and the art of leadership to the next level. He's widely regarded as one of the brightest minds in business and innovation. Among his past and current clients are Fortune 500 companies such as Nike, Comcast, Microsoft, and he's turned around more than 70 small and mid-cap companies, earning him the moniker The Architect. From his best-selling book and his more than 3,000-plus presentations on leadership and business to his career as the top speaker in the Tony Robbins organization and his dozens of corporate turnarounds, Jason's always looked to identify needs, to find solutions, and create competitive businesses for entrepreneurs who really want to change. Today is the founder and chairman of Anton J. Global, Inc. Jason manages publishing, consulting, and speaking engagements throughout the U.S. We will talk about so much of this and so much more on the show today, so here we are with my very extra special guest, Jason Cisneros. Jason, how are you? If
2: I was any better, I'd be twins, baby. Thank you for having me on your show.
0: Excited.
1: Hey, you're so welcome. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. So the first thing I normally ask people is just to give us a sense of your backstory. How did you get started? What did you overcome along the way? I know there's been a lot. And how did you get to where you are right now? We'll take this whole first segment to explore this. Oh, okay.
2: Um, you know, it, it's it's funny because, we, you know, we... We talk about, as you said, you know, 3,000 presentations. And a lot of times people ask that question, how did you get started? So I've told it so many times that it's like, you know, you think about different angles, different perspectives, because ultimately the stories that we listen to, the stories that we, you know, your listeners are looking to, uh, looking at, watching, uh, absorbing, hearing, it, it really comes down to how does this apply to me and how can I use this information? So that's kind of the direction that I, that I, That I tell that from, and so people can hear it. If they can see themselves in anybody's message, mine, yours, uh, any of your previous guests or future guests, that's really then what can we take from them and put it in and and apply it in our own lives to uh, enhance our position so that we can then go on and ease suffering in the world. So, um, my story uh, I I was adopted very young. Uh, My adopted father wasn't a very good guy uh, abused my mom. I started stepping in between him and her when I was about, uh, six or seven years old. Um, 18 broken noses later, uh, I ended up, you know, he ended up going to prison when I was 17 for, um, attempted murder of myself and my mom. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of ramifications from that, but, uh, it's led into a life of philanthropy as you know, and, and, uh, you know, going on, uh, rescues for underage sex slaves and being a you know working with people like a new dawn uh domestic violence and then also uh being the ceo of feed a billion uh it's led it you know whatever he tried to destroy in me created a a bigger monster of service in the exact opposite direction that he was trying to create so i think a lot of us that can change those meanings from what happens to us those or happens for us and as tony robbins tells us right
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, we can turn those things into massive, powerful, uh, tools and, and it gives us superpowers that other people may or may not have that haven't gone through the same things. Instead of using it as a weakness for ourselves, when we really look at it, it's created a strength of service in places where a lot of other people are weak and it gives us that competitive advantage.
1: Exactly. What do you think is the hardest lesson you've learned in your life?
2: Oh man, that's a great question. The hardest lesson that I've had to learn in my life was accepting personal responsibilities, personal responsibility for my own actions. Um, you know, there was there there was a big switch in my life when I, because it was easy for me when I would tell my story, you know, as I had grown into early adulthood, um, you know, mid-20s, when I would tell my story, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, no wonder, you know, it's a miracle that you're even doing anything and blah blah, 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 you know. So it was easy for me to blame bad decision making, and I'll tell you where I made those bad decisions. Uh, bad decisions in my marriage. I cheated. Uh, bad mm-hmm. decisions uh, with money. Um, I lost my money. I lost, you know, the the vendors' money. I lost uh, in, investment money. I there was there was bad decisions in personal relationships where you know I was not a good friend. There was there was you know as a, as a father. I've always been very loving and never abusive because of my situation. But I don't think I was the greatest dad of all time, you know, because I, I, you know, again, but all of that came from the fact that I was like, well, you know, look at my upbringing, look at my background. Of course, these are the things that did bad. I don't, I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have any leadership. Well, there was a day when I was like, you know what? That is pathetic. It's just, that is a pathetic way to look at things. And, and it's harder and it was harder, you know, that you say the hardest lesson, it was hard to look at my life and say, you know what, my bank account is my, is because of the decisions I've made, not because my adopted father, you know, my relationships that I have, um, in, in currently are because of the decisions that I made to be dishonorable to my wife, um, not because my adopted father or my upbringing or being poor or, you know, any of those things, all of the decisions that I was making were decisions of my own that, you know, whether you're, whether you look at it from 12 years old, 13, 18, whatever it is that you become an adult and become responsible for your own decisions. It was that moment when I was like, man, I've got to look at, but it gave me strength. You know, it was a hard lesson because then you got to look at all of the pain I've caused, all of the, the, the hurt that I've caused, all of the lies that i told, all of, the, the, all of those situations, they, they were really genuinely my fault. They were not the fault of, of anybody in my past. They were not the fault of the people that I was interacting with. It was my decision to act in that way. And, and then to start to make decisions from that different perspective to say how what are second order, third order, fourth order um, consequences from the, the action I'm about to take And do they and will they lead to easing suffering uh, in the world or adding suffering? And it was a really, it's created a a muscle, a strength, a a way that I can hold myself, comport myself, carry myself now as a man of integrity. Because I have done the best I can to make right the wrongs of my past. Mm -hmm. And even more so that I'm not making those same mistakes today. I do make mistakes, but they're not the same ones. <laughs> and usually if you, you watch me on Facebook, I, if I make a mistake, I usually go straight to Facebook and, and tell on myself because I want to make sure that nobody looks at me and goes, oh, he's trying to be somebody that he's not. He's, you know, did you know this about his past? Nobody can say that about me because I've done it myself. And, uh, and that's how I can stand in, you know, my level of integrity to be able to do the things that I do.
1: Fantastic. We've got about two or three minutes to our first break. So I want to ask, how did you become an entrepreneur? What was your first entrepreneurial experience?
2: Oh, besides dealing drugs, um, I would yes. say <laughs> into the legitimate world. Um, you know, once I once I got into it, it was. Um, and that's a good question. There was a couple. So I, I would say that my first uh, entree into legitimate business was. Uh, I had a $6 an hour job peeling logs for cabins. Um, and then I moved from that to digging out a sump for $8. There was a big raise involved. Then I decided to learn a trade. And that was, um, I started as an assistant to a carpet layer. And that was basically the first, you know, and then I that led into me doing, you know, starting my own crew and and uh, into buying my first company and, and so on and so forth. But that was, it was uh, a trade for uh called you know laying carpet and
1: yeah. cool do you think anyone can be an entrepreneur is it a learned skill or is it something you're born with
2: i think that every that most people alive not everybody i would say there's about a third of people that are not programmed for it and about two-thirds of the world that can be <laughs> that's my honest opinion i think that there's a, there's some people that it's just not their thing
1: okay okay how did you end up working for tony robbins real quick before we go to break
2: um it's not a quick story but I will tell you that it that it uh it was because of um I went to one of his events as I was coming out of my last business failure and a massive depression I ended up at one of his events and uh, met met him shook his hand and 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 really just fell in love I knew my life had changed after I'd been to his event and I I wanted to go to work for him and uh that it just it, it, there was a series of things that are that are a great story um mm-hmm. that led to the fact that that's exactly what ended up happening
1: yeah, and Tony Robbins always says the person with the most energy and the person with the most certainty usually wins. You must have had both of those things uh prior to Tony hiring you because he hired you
2: yes, well it, it was because of his you know the the wife of his of his first employee her name's Lauren Lahabb now, but she you know we we were at an at a at a retreat. And uh, I basically told her the story. I'm like, yeah, I want to go to work for Tony. And i you know, been calling and there was this two positions available. One was in the phone room, which I didn't want to do. The other one was uh, uh, basically doing motivational speaking like Tony does for him as promotional events. Yes. And, and I absolutely did not want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so she picked up the phone, called him, said, hey, there's this job for speaking. And, and, uh, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. And she put her hand over the phone and she said in in other terms she said stop being a wimp do you want the job or not
1: awesome and we are right <laughs> at the break we'll come right back this is success profiles radio please stay with us don't go away Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress have been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which causes damage to our body. And unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money-back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research, and as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. Have you ever thought about running a book? And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Jason Cisneros. And if you have not gotten my new book, it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers. I interview a lot of really wonderful people on this show, as you probably already know. And in this book would be people like Darren Hardy, Jack Canfield, Sharon Lecter, Tom Ziegler, Greg Reed, Frank Shankowitz, Don Green, and the list just keeps going on and on. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it in Barnes & Noble. I had a book signing in uh, Gilbert, Arizona last weekend, and I'll be going back there again in November. So Jason, let's talk about something really important because knowing who you are and what you're about is really, really foundational. So if I had to ask, Jason, who are you? What would you say?
2: Well, you know, Tony. Uh, Tony talks about, uh, and I keep going back to him. He's, you know, obviously one of my very powerful mentors. Yes. But he, you know, he always says that people's lives can be a warning or an example. And and so what I would say is that I lived this mixed. I had I came to this conclusion a while back when I was being interviewed for a Forbes article,
3: mm.
2: where um, you, I really was kind of you know coming out from you know, obscurity into, you know, doing a lot of work in philanthropy. And, and so I had to make a decision whether I wanted to do that or not, because my, you know, my past is, is not all that great. Um, And, you know, and when you do, you set yourself up for attacks from people, some uh, valid and some invalid. And, uh, and so, you know, I came to this conclusion one day when I was going through all of this, uh, you know decision to do something different with my life and to take it to another level um, where I had to look at my life and go you know what I really wish that my life was uh, an example of somebody that made great decisions and was somebody that could have been counted on his entire life and so on and so forth and and it and it you know it got to a point where the message is actually that I have messed up in so many places that and i can tell those stories and i and i have the the strength and and can take some of the those incoming bullets so other people can take the pin out of the mistake that they made in life and i'm talking about you know people that have gotten into car accidents and and killed other people and and done you know and and, and had duis and and horrible relationships and you know massive things where they just say you know, where society and everybody else tells them to put a pin in their life and say, you know what, you're done. And now you just need to kind of breathe until we put you six feet under. And, um, and I think that that's what the value of my life and, and the things that I've gone through is to say, you know what, when you make a mistake, it doesn't define you for the rest of your life. And, and you can make amends for those mistakes while using it to serve at a, at a super high level. And, and I've had people that have told me, no, Jason, you know, those things that you did in your past, they will always define you. And, and I had to struggle against that because I thought maybe that was who I was. And if I would have believed that I would have stayed at one specific level, I wouldn't have fed the people that I fed. I wouldn't have rescued the little girls that I've rescued. I wouldn't have, yeah. I wouldn't have done those things. So who am I? I'm an example of what can happen if you take that pin out of yourself when you've made the mistake, and I 'm also a warning of what not to do, and that's what I talk about quite often is that the mistakes that I have made, because that's where the lessons lie for people that are trying that, that have made those mistakes and feel like you know, they're, they're stuck, and, the, and it's the people that love them that are closest to them and love them the most. That kind of say, don't go try anything because people will find out about that mistake that you made in the past.
1: Yeah, I I love everything you just said, so thank you for that. And I do know that when you go through things, it forces you to become mentally strong. So, how do you believe that you developed a really strong mindset? What was it that was the trigger for that?
2: Well, again, it's it's kind of a a, a history. It's like you know little yeah. things that happen along the way, and I can tell you that. You know, I would get I would get beat so bad sometimes I couldn't come out of my room for a while because my face would look you know mm. not not so good. And you know, it was my grandmother that that uh, gave me a Bible to read, and and it was my grandfather that would kidnap me out of that situation and take me and you know and we would hide as long as we possibly could and you know in his camper and and you know do fishing and and so and little things and then my wrestling coach that would that you know that basically took me i mean we were too poor to pay for any of the th- tournaments and i didn't know this but he would pay for them and uh you know and just these these little things that always had to do with other people seeding into me right and and saying things when when you think that that everything was as at its worst uh that that you are somebody that you matter like the show that you're putting on right now and this is why i do these interviews and why i have these conversations because Whoever's out there that's got a broken heart, a broken spirit, a, bro- a broken model of, that they think that they don't matter, you matter. The reason why you went through, you went, that, what, why you have gone through the things that you've gone through is not to become bitters, to become betters, to serve, to take that story and to tell one other person. And to see that person that's crying, hurting, uh, that's invisible to the rest of the world and to reach out and touch them on the shoulder and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, are you okay? Is everything okay? Because I love you.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about your company, Anton J. What exactly do you do and how do you help businesses?
2: it's oh, a great question. A- a- Anton J. Um, is it's Anton J. Global and you can find us on Facebook. But what what that is, is it's a group of of people i i have a private equity business i own companies myself uh without partners and and debt and investors uh got out of the you know having having to need other people's money uh, a really long time ago thank god and um and then uh and, and then what that what that led into was a good friend of mine saying hey you know you should take those principles and start teaching those other people Uh, I have a very high level of disdain for consultants. And so I, I fought against doing that for a while, but realized that, you know, being involved in philanthropy, one of the things that I know about business owners is that they are very caring, giving people for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part. So if I could teach them how to make more money and have more time, then they would have that money and that time to be able to do more good. And so that's one of the qualifications. We're kind of unique in that way is that if you can show us your, you know, your P&L or show us your life and say, you know, I give this to my church, I give this to Cancer Research, I give this to the local band, we don't really care what it is. It's not a qualification. It's just the fact that when you have gotten more resources than you needed, you seeded those back into a community or to a need that needed you to show up for them. And so if that happens, then we will, we will consider taking them on as a client. Because it's a pebble in the pond and that's all we can do. You start to realize you, all of us have the same 24 hours in a day yeah. and whatever our resources are, a little bit of money, a lot of, a lot of money, there's still only a finite amount of that that you can give away. And, and so what I have discovered is through for-profit entities and for non-profit entities is to teach them the skill sets that I gained, not having graduated from high school, not having gone to college. The real hard knocks way uh, of of running a business, making better decisions, making good decisions so that you don't lose money so that you can build your business. And that's like throwing a pebble in the pond of service yeah. so that they can do more, uh, make more money, get more time so they can do more good. And that's yeah. what we teach those principles. That's-
1: that's awesome, and I love that you are very selective in who you work with so that must also mean that you don't have to chase clients down lots of business owners have to chase because there's a scarcity mindset. How do you attract clients to work with so that you don't have to chase them
2: yeah it's one hundred one hundred percent uh referral based you know for our business it's like you know they may hear about it on this show or or somewhere else but but for the most part, I mean, not, not for the most part, we do, we spend $0 in advertising and uh, you know, and when you do a good job for people, you really don't need to advertise. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make. There's all these, you know, high, high level marketers, and I'm doing quotation marks right now yeah. that are out there. And I just tell people, look, be the best at what you do and, and fall in love with your customer's outcome. And you will never have to, you'll never have to advertise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Is there an ideal business model that you find is prevalent in most successful companies or does it really just depend on your industry?
2: I'll tell you that, you know, again, this is kind of what I learned through going bankrupt a few times and, you know, and and really uh, having the blessing of traveling with Tony Robbins and getting to interview almost a thousand business owners about uh, you know people that have been in business a long time short time multiple different uh, crossover business uh, conversations is that there's a fundamental uh, core um uh, foundation to business that has sequencing in involved in it and incremental improvement and um and every single successful company that exists out there long term and remember that 90 plus percent of them fail within 10 years right so we're talking about a you know a very small portion of companies that actually do succeed past that 10-year mark and all of those have in embedded in them these this was the research i went to i after i went bankrupt three times i didn't i didn't want i I was exhausted i didn't want to do it again you know I was like, I, if I can't figure this out, I A a I'm not very employable um, anyway. <laughs> but right. but but if I can't figure this out, I'm going to be in trouble. And so I really humbled myself and said, all right, what are the fundamentals? And that's what we built in Anton J. Was doesn't matter what company. I mean, in my portfolio, I've I own multiple different kinds of companies, and we've helped you know anywhere from uh, doctors' offices to to plumbers, and we uh, they all operate you know, with, with our consulting, they all operate on the same foundational principles. So Mm -hmm. do all successful companies have some traits in, in, that are, that are, um, common because, you know, you can do a million things wrong in your company and a few things have to happen correctly and in the right timing for it to be sustainable for that, you know, so that you don't become one of those statistics
1: absolutely how do you build a successful culture in business we've got maybe a minute left to our next break
2: fall in love with the outcomes of your employees Mm. it's a very very simple concept if you you know if you find a lot of people are uh, there's this you know this dichotomy between the owner and the employees and you know if you if you build a company based around the outcomes of your employees you're never going to have a problem
1: i love that that's simple and practical and accurate (laughs) I love that very much. So we are here with Jason Cicinero. and we're coming up against our second break. This is Success Profiles Radio. And uh, we have so much more to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about gratitude. I want to talk about some of his passions, stopping human trafficking, the importance of giving back. And we will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please don't go away. We will be back. Don't go away. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Jason Cisneros, and you can download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes anytime you like for free. I would love a review. Um, that would be so meaningful to me. And you can also listen at successprofilesradio.com and listen to any episode. We're coming on 300 episodes coming up in just a few weeks. Stick around for that. It's going to be amazing. So, Jason, one of the things that you do with companies is you help them gamify what they do. That sounds like fun. How do you do that?
2: Well, again, I, you know, I build companies and my companies the way that I, the way, you know, after I crashed a few of them, I was like, you know what, I, we spend so much time at work. And so much time, you know, making a living or building, you know, uh, uh, building wealth. Uh, if you're building a company or or working in a company that that it, it should be fun. I mean, it should be somewhere where, you know, you spend more time at work than you do with your own family a lot of times in a lot of cases. And so gamifying it is is a, a big, a, you know, big in, input for me was always sports. Yeah. And so I started looking around at, you know. These things like, uh, the, you know, getting it and, and one that everybody knows is the the Angry Birds uh, yes. video game and people will sit there for hours and hours and hours because they get that little hit. They could be failing in their marriage. They could be failing and, and broke and, and having a horrible time at work. But they sit down and they pull that, you know, the bird back and they smash a couple of pigs. It, you know, it, it, it gives you that little boost. So people, you know, most of the people I know in life want to win. Mm-hmm. And most businesses and relationships, when they're unconscious or unconsciously built, it sets things up for failure and it sets things up for, you know, the old school way of doing business, which is nepotism based, which is basically mm-hmm. employees who basically uh, have to kiss the, the rear end of the of the owner because they know that that's the only way. That's the only indicator that if the owner likes them, their check's going to cash on Friday. Well, I don't like that kind of system. What I like is if I go to work, if I go play on a football team or if I go wrestle or if I go, you know, if I'm part of a team anywhere, I want to know that my input is making a difference in that business, in in that, in that team. And we're no, no different at work. But when, you know, Harvard and Yale and Oxford do these studies to say, you know, and they go out and they ask the question, how do you impact the outcome of your organization? And almost 90% of the people that are involved go, I have no idea. You know, I have no idea how I impact the outcome of my of my business. And so it comes down to doing, you know, what they can. And a lot of people, you know, again, like I say, most people want to win. And so gamification is basically flipping this, you know, these nepotism based businesses into performance driven organizations where if, you know, if you if you win, if you innovate, if you uh, are able to bring down expenses or increase revenue, then you should be rewarded. It shouldn't be you get ten dollars an hour. It should be you get you know obviously a base pay plus a, a performance based uh, uh, organi- uh, opportunity for yourself. Yeah, and that just absolutely. and that just you know turns it into something that's like well if I, if I get better at my skill sets if I read a book if I you know if I try something different we you know those are the kind of organizations that I want to work at. Therefore, they're the kind of organizations that I like to build.
1: Fantastic. What do you think is the number one thing that holds people back?
2: Uh, you know, I want to say a cookie, can- a cookie cutter answer, but I want to get into it just a little bit. I, it, sure. the answer is, the answer is always fear. Okay. Yes. But, but, and we know that it's like, you know, the fortune cookies, everybody breaks them open. There's these simple little answers in there. But when you dive into what that means, it's fear of losing what you already have. Uh, it's, it's fear of, failing. It's a fear of trying something and looking less than in the eyes of, of your kids, your friends, your peers, your community, your, your, your spouse. And, and so this, this idea that, that you're going to fail and that working for someone else or working in a position or doing what you do is, is all protected in, in some way, shape or form is ridiculous. And uh, and one and I learned that early on. I mean, obviously, you know, growing up the way that I did, I understand that this is all safety is 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 100. It's 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 a it's an illusion. And and so is security. And so when, and then if you realize nobody's coming to rescue you, you realize it's better for you to put things out on the line and it's better for you. But it's a skill set, you know, and then you start to get addicted to, you know, putting yourselves you're putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Because the more you're in your comfort zone, it leads to things like needing to drink, drug, you know, you know, basically tamp down that inner beast or that inner animal or that inner that inner angel, that inner that inner spirit that mm. we're all born with. It's tamping it down because you, you think that it's safety and security. And uh, and I think a lot of great men and great women uh, are stunted because they are chasing an illusion called security. Yeah,
1: absolutely. How important is gratitude to success in your mind? What's the relationship between the two?
2: Well, I can tell you for me, gratitude is everything. Um, yes. You know, it, it's it's about taking control of meaning, right? We talked about that very early on in this conversation. Right. Is that for I could take what I was doing and use that as an excuse for not performing and for being, you know, being a horrible human being, or I could be grateful for it, and that's when my life really changed. I said. You know, my my adopted father, no matter how bad he tried to break me, actually built in me a muscle of service that can never be tamped down. He built in me a beast of service that will forever until my last dying breath be there to to, you know, to to protect the vulnerable and to ease suffering in this world. That's what happened from it. And that gave me my power back. That And it was being grateful. I can literally look at my past and be grateful for him, for the life that I lived. I can be grateful for the for the divorce that I went through. I can be grateful for, uh, you know, the time that I spent in jail. I can t- I can uh, be grateful for, for those things because they taught me who I didn't want to become. Yeah. And, and they gave me the the strength to say, when I wake up in a, in a beautiful home and, a, and I'm on a beautiful vacation or I'm with beautiful human beings like you at an event or having this conversation with you, I can be grateful that I've decided to make uh, better decisions a while back, and that's how I can be where I'm at today.
1: Fantastic. Let's talk about some of your giving back passion projects. We've discussed briefly some of the things that you're very passionate about. I know that you were passionate about an organization called Feed a Billion. Mm -hmm. You're passionate about stopping human trafficking, and you're passionate about stopping domestic violence. So let's talk about all of that. Talk Talk to us about Feed a Billion. What's the mission there?
2: Feed a Billion is uh, something uh, it was it was begun at a at a Tony Robbins event. Tony's a, a matching donor and uh, a big supporter of it. And Ambu's Jain, who's from India, and he translated something that that was off. He and I are two completely opposite personalities. He's very uh, loving, uh, very kind, and and I mean I guess I am in my own way, but I'm also very kind of you know, we got to get stuff done. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more in your face, a little bit more edgy. Yeah. And, and he had this comment that really broke my heart that said, food is love. And for wow. me, food, food was rare. Food was a way of control. Food was missing. And when he said food is love, I thought, man, that is a beautiful way to look at the world. Yeah. And, you know, and to live in a world, a day and age that produces enough food to feed every single human being on this planet 10 times over mm-hmm. and have the problem be distribution and be uh, control and and those kind of things. It really breaks my heart that we have children, men, women, children anywhere here in the United States and, and over in Africa and India and other countries that 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 are facing three, four, five days in a row where they don't eat. They're literally starving to death. Not not food related disease. It's literally starving to death. And so I decided to get involved and he brought me in specifically because of my my business skill sets and we innovated and you know we've been working on and we've fed millions of people now and and I uh, love that I love that yeah, project.
1: That is fantastic. Well, talk to us about the the human trafficking bit. How how do you get involved in something like that?
2: Well, I I think it's like the rest of my life. You know, you put yourself in a position where where um, you can serve by you know, doing well financially, doing well, uh, reputationally. And I got invited to go, um, on an undercover mission, um, to go rescue some, some little girls in a, in a third world country and, um, changed my life forever. You know, I've got three daughters and, and, uh, seeing the, the, the impact of this. And I don't want to get too dark on your, your radio show. Cause people yeah. can go Google, um, you know, the sex trade and, and human trafficking with these little kids and boys and girls and uh and it just it's one of those things where you know my background my history my you know my my alignments these days put me in a place where I could go do that and um it's something that I will be attached to for the rest of my life and uh, wow. and I'm I'm really really passionate about it those are those are little kids that can't protect themselves being you know being used and abused by by people that, that know better and should be there to protect them so Mm -hmm. Um, that one's a near and dear to my heart, hard to talk about, hard to transmit without causing people to, you know, feel uncomfortable. So if they're, if you're interested in it, just Google it, look up operation underground railroad, you know, or something or one of those types of organizations and just get involved if it's something that you're interested in.
1: Absolutely. And, and stopping domestic violence is also very, very important to you.
2: Well, that's my origin story. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. Um, the, the organization I work with right now, Uh, very heavily i work with multiple ones but the one that i'm on the board of and and we're working towards transitional housing right now is uh is a new dawn and it's run by and started by former drug addict um you know the and and abuse uh victim uh cat dawn and they gave me the nickname the shield because of the work that i do in that arena and it's one of the most that's one of the nicknames that i'm most proud of
1: yeah you are the bald avenger
2: the Bald Avenger, baby. <laughs>
1: That's what I'm talking about. We've got a couple of minutes to our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. You have a lot on your plate. How do you get it all done? How do you deal with distractions? How do you stay focused?
2: Well, it's it's putting that target out there. Look, I I've, I learned through some exercise. I can't even remember who it was. Maybe it was uh, you know um, uh, Wayne Dyer or somebody. I can't remember what it was, but <laughs> it's like to look at your you look at your life from you know, like as if you're hovering over your, your funeral. And, um, and what I, and when I went through that exercise, I really saw what I wanted to see. I wanted my kids to be, to be missing me. I wanted them to, to be proud of their father, to be proud of their last name, um, you know, to be celebrating a life well-lived and the legacy that they should be held, held to a higher standard for. And I saw that with all my vision as they, you know, scattered my ashes over the ocean. And, and, uh, and then you work backwards from that and you say, you know um for that to happen you know i've got to this has got to happen you know before i die and this has got to happen before i get sick and this has got to happen before you know and, and you start to piece those things together and it puts things in alignment you have you understand that my my life and i've got an amazing team around me of people that i love uh, and, and care about like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And, and I can't, you can't get anything done unless it's through other people and you can't do get, you can't get anything done through other people unless you fall in love with their outcomes first. Yeah. That's your clients and that's your employees and that's your teammates and, and your friends and your, and your wife and your husband, you know, you got to fall in love with their outcomes and be willing to serve them, uh, at the highest level and, and to be able to get as good as you can by educating yourself through reading, you know, and, and, courses and you know educating yourself to be to be those things but it's all got to be in alignment if you stick, if you find yourself doing something or aligned with someone which i have in the past you know you get you get aligned with a project or or something that starts to take you off path
1: and we are at our break we'll come right back this is successful files or please stay with us
0: This is the Tokenet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's Margin' Never
3: Can you keep a secret? Apparently, most women can't. According to a London study, on average, a woman can only keep a secret for about 32 minutes. One in ten women quiz said they'd had a falling out with a friend over letting secrets slip. Plastic surgery, people involved in dalliances, canoodling, and relationship problems, topped the list shared in hugger-mugger. Do the Britons gossip more than Americans? Probably not, but they certainly read more tabloids. What's a word for the enjoyment of reading about another's troubles? Schadenfreude. A quidnunc is another word for a gossip. And Alice Roosevelt Longworth said it best at a dinner party. If you can't say something good about someone, sit right here by me. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
0: Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio, and here again is your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Jason Cisneros, founder and CEO of Anton J. Global, Inc. And tell us once again the websites for some of the things that you talked about and how we can learn more about what you're doing.
2: Sure. Um, For Operation Underground Railroad, it's OURrescue.org. Uh, for feed a billion, it's feedabillion.org. And for a new, a new dawn, it's a new dawn foundation.com.
1: Okay. And we can learn more about what you do for businesses at Anton J.
2: Yes. A N T O N J A E.com.
1: Fantastic. We know that you started your speaking career with Tony Robbins. So mm-hmm. for those of us who maybe didn't have that opportunity, how do you recommend an aspiring speaker gets started?
2: That's a great question. I mean, anybody that want that has a message that wants to get out there, there's a couple of ways. You know, you can align yourself with a bigger brand like a Tony Robbins or whatnot by going out and serving them and speaking for them, and that gets you a lot of a lot of exposure. It gets you a lot of practice, right? I mean, 3,000 presentations that I that I did, a lot of that came from just work. You know, two three times presentations uh, a day, and you know, and speaking, you got to understand, you got to look at like. So so getting started speaking is is fairly easy. You can start out, you know, with the local chapters of you know speaking bureaus or whatnot to get your message out there. But you gotta understand, again, I'm a big outcome guy, so why are you starting your speaking career? What message are you trying to get out there and what are you trying to to produce by being by taking your message out there? Be very clear about that. That's a starting point is to is to, to begin with the end in mind, as a very famous author quite often said, begin yeah. with the end in mind and understand why you're doing what you're doing. Is it to generate more business or is it to generate more revenue or resources for a charity or a cause? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the outcome of speaking. You're driving for an outcome to either ease suffering on a nonprofit side or to create more business for your for your company. And you start there and you work your way backwards.
1: Fantastic. Several years ago, you wrote a book called Destiny's Doorstep. What motivated did. you to write this? Yeah, great. Yeah,
2: it, you know, I mean, if, you have, if you've seen the movie, um, you know, Eight Mile, uh, where, <laughs> where Eminem, you know, he basically raps about himself and he's, he's like, this guy's about to make fun of me. And he did it. He went out, he just basically what we call, you know, eight-miled himself and, and said everything about him that, that the guy was about to make fun of him for. The guy had no, no ammo. He won the rap battle because the guy had no ammo. And so I wrote my book. I put all of the mistakes that I'd made the you know, the, the things that I've done. I just, I was like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to put all of it in here so that mm-hmm. it's memorialized. Anybody can read about it. I'll also talk about the lessons that I learned along the way. And, and, uh, then, you know, if anybody ever said, oh, Jason's trying to hide something, I could go, it's in my book. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right.
1: How did this change your career?
2: Uh, you know for me it was a really freeing exercise to say you know what there's nothing else there's nothing I'm hiding behind anymore there's nothing uh, you know so it freed me up to go out and do and make new mistakes obviously but uh, mm-hmm. it freed me up to, to, to leave the guilt behind uh, you know and, and and secondly the the results that I got from people that read it they they were they you know again there's reviews on on Amazon where you go buy the Kindle version. Uh, I think we're out of we're out of print now. But um, but when you know, there when people would read it, I would get all kinds of these messages to go, oh, my gosh, that was a great lesson. And that helped change my life. Mm-hmm. And that that was an ancillary thing that said that added credibility to then people would call me and ask me, you know, hey, we'd like you to come speak for us. And we would like to hear that message for our kids or for our for my business or whatever it was. So it was a it was a good tool um, to, you know, to launch a career and and act as a more in-depth business card, so to speak, for who Jason Cisneros is.
1: Absolutely. Uh, You've gone through a lot of difficult stuff, just like a lot of us have. What keeps you going when it gets really tough?
2: Uh, You know, there's a a friend of mine, Sean Barnett, that, that had a conversation with me about this idea of shadow mission. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about, well, what keeps you up at night? I'd rather talk about what gets me up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And what gets me up in the morning is this thing called shadow mission. It's this idea that, you know, I, look, I'm, I'm a, a, a alpha testosterone driven male, you know, and I'm unapologetic about it. So, you know, being uh, viewing myself as a as a warrior and viewing myself as a king and viewing myself as as someone that is to, to protect you know, and, and to serve. Um, you know, it, it, this shadow mission thing is that there's all of these. There's going to there's little girls and little boys in this world that are going through horrific circumstances while I sleep comfortably in my bed. There's little boys and little girls, men and women around the world that are going to bed, and it'll be the last breath they take because they couldn't get a sandwich or a, a, a protein bar. There's yeah. there's women that are that are having their teeth knocked out and that that are are, are being put in hospitals by men that can't control their tempers and, 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 uh, are abusive human beings, you know, while we sleep comfortably. And I, I, I can't let that stand. And so right. it drives me every single day to wake up and go, okay, who, who are we saving today? You know, who, what life can we impact? How can we ease suffering? And, and I look at that in increments. Um, if you look at it in, in, the, in the macro, uh, it can drive you a little bit crazy because you think, mm-hmm. man, well, I, I, it's the little drop in a little bucket, right? But it goes back to that, that story about the starfish, you know? Yeah. Guys out there chucking them back in the ocean, and the guy goes, yeah, do you know you, there's thousands of these things laying around? And the guy goes, yep, but it made a difference to that one. And yep. that's how I live my life, you know? Yep. And it And it's very, very rewarding for me. It works for me. I'm happy Ninety-nine percent of the time, because I'm making progress, because I'm making a difference.
1: That's fantastic. How do you start your day, Jason?
2: I start my day uh, with you know, uh, it's basically active meditation. It's a breathing meditation because my I can't sit there and blank out all thoughts. My brain is that n- will never happen. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, so it's an active meditation that, that starts out with breathing, um, and it's called priming. Actually, if you if anybody wants to go on. You know, on uh, YouTube or whatever you call it. you just look up priming with Tony Robbins and you'll see there's a strategy for that. But it mainly starts with gratitude and with an energy of, you know, of of the bald avenger. It sounds funny, but that's my that's my my superhero sort of uh, mantra. And I get in, get up, get dressed and get into that bald avenger mode uh, every single day. And, and superheroes really never sleep and never rest. So,
1: yeah, that's absolutely. what it is. So, Bald Avenger, what is your superpower? What do you do better than everyone else?
2: Man, well, the, the Bald Avenger is it's basically to take dark subjects and, and find the, the light in them and bring light to them. And so mm. it's, re- it's really carrying that light of hope, that light of forgiveness, uh, because I, A, I had to forgive myself first. Uh, B, you have to forgive other people See that causes you never to be able to have the, the uh, ability to judge other people, uh, because lest ye be judged, right? Right, <laughs> glass, right, right. Glass, glass houses sort of thing. And, and, uh, and to, to love deeply and to be able to, to keep myself disciplined uh, in all aspects of my life so that I can ease suffering.
1: That's fantastic. If you could talk to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him?
2: Duck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you know, you got to learn to duck when you got an ad- adopted father that likes to punch you in the nose.
1: <laughs> so, right. Um,
2: what, what I would tell my 18 year old uh, version of myself is to take responsibility fast, forgive even faster and to love super deep.
1: Wow. That is so beautiful. Would he have listened to that advice or would he have blown it off?
2: Well, if he would have listened to it from the older version of himself maybe, but you know, anybody else he was, he was, he had a pretty hard heart back then, so I I don't I don't think if it would have come from anybody else, no.
1: Absolutely. No, I certainly appreciate that. I know that Tony Robbins is a huge influence and a huge mentor. Who else served that role for you?
2: Well, again, my grandfather first foremost and, and above all others. Um, and then, you know, a wrestling coach by the name of Charlie White. Uh, an English, my fourth grade English teacher um, that I can barely speak her name without uh, tears coming to my eyes. But, you know, her uh, Mrs. Ivy, um, Mm. you know, uh, was my fourth grade English teacher, just changed my life forever, gave me the power of falling in love with the power of words and their meaning and to be able to escape my environment that she knew I was in um, by reading, by writing, by being able to, to create an environment in my own mind that then could be fulfilled, uh, via innovation, hard work, discipline, and dedication. Um, and you know, uh, Keith Cunningham this real rich dad, poor dad book. That guy changed my life forever right. when it came to business. Um, I was a very mediocre businessman, I think until I met him. And then he set my whole entire life to where I, I think I'm a- among one of the best now. So
1: fantastic. What is the scariest thing you have ever done?
2: Uh, You know, recently, um, the, you know, I've built my career. I've gone through the, I've been stabbed in the chest, shot in the leg, spent time in jail a bit, you know, raised Mm -hmm. by an adopted father who was massively, um, abusive and, and been through, you know, and then been on, on rescues and been in really scary situations my entire life. And one of the most, uh, intimidating Uh, decisions that I've made scenarios that I've been put into was at recently going from this big this career of mine and switching it over into uh, becoming a comedian with a message like a George Carlin type comedian somebody that has a message that the world needs to hear right now and uh, and so that's been um, I don't the scary is the wrong word uh, but it Mm -hmm. has been uh, heart rate increasing uh, to jump into something you know brand new. You know, now I have to eat all that dog food that I'm coaching other people to to eat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) About stepping outside of your comfort zone. And I don't like it very much.
1: (laughs) Exactly. We've got about a minute to the end. Very quickly. Who inspires and motivates you today?
2: Uh, You know, who inspires me? And and, and, uh, I would say that the women that I see come back from these abusive situations, uh, being inspired by uh, a little girl or a little boy that come out of the scenario that they're in the dark, darkest, deepest world, and then seeing them smile and, and be happy that they've been uh, taken away, taken out of that scenario and, and the hope and joy that still lives in their heart. Uh, you know, it's people that, that, suffer the deepest, that come yeah. back and love the har- the hardest that, yeah. that I respect and admire the most.
1: Fantastic. And one more time, how can we find you and what you're doing?
2: Oh, boy. Um, So Jason Cisneros uh, on Facebook. Uh, We've got the Bald Avenger page on Facebook and Anton J. Global on Facebook is probably the fastest way to get to us.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Jason, for being on the show today. It was an honor and a privilege to have you here. Thank you for just absolutely slaying it today.
2: Thank you for doing what you do and making sure that this message gets out from not only me, but other people. Appreciate you, brother.
1: Thank you so much. And this has been Success Profiles Radio. Please join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever to find out how they succeeded, what they overcame, and what we can learn as a lesson along the way. Please join us next week. And until then, have a great one, everyone. Take care. Goodbye.